0: Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed.
1: And now let me welcome on to our ACC preview podcast, the legend, Wake Forest Owned. Randolph Childress, and also my partner in crime, the one uh, the one Terrence Oglesby, who is now the third best shooter on the show. Gentlemen, how are we doing today? Third best shooter, that
2: hurts, man. That hurts. <laughs> yeah. I'm, a, I'm, I I'm, at I'm at the least second. The true
3: hurts sometimes.
2: <laughs> I don't do this often, but just because uh, the legend, Randolph Childress, is here, I wore a black polo, and I don't ever do that. Because, and I was thinking about it, your move against Carolina in the ACC tournament—if that would have happened today, that would have been like that. Like the kid would have had to go on therapy. Like it would have been a big deal. It would have gone viral. Everybody would have been talking. But man, it's an honor to be on here with you. I appreciated chatting with you beforehand, and you know, you had a heck of a. No, guys,
3: thanks. Thanks for having me. Thanks for having me. But listen, Rob said this. He didn't say he was a better percentage shooter. He said he just shoots it, but you know, he shoots it a lot more. So (laughs) it goes in. It goes in. So. We got. It, we got. It. We may have to figure that one
1: out. I will definitely get more attempts up. Um. Yeah. So this is the ACC preview show that we're doing. It's going to be pretty standard, pretty basic. We're just kind of rolling through the best, uh, best teams in the conference. We will have our power rankings, and we were will have our preseason player of the year and all conference teams uh later on in the show. But there are some really, uh kind of important storylines that we have to get to in the ACC this season. None of which is bigger than Coach K's final season as the head coach at Duke Randolph. Let me start you off with this. Uh, you played in the ACC. You've coached in the ACC. You've gone up against Coach K before. Um, what are you expecting out of, out of him this final season? And uh, is this the kind of thing where those guys are going to fight harder for him just to make sure he gets that maybe that last regular season title on his way out the door?
3: They're talented enough to make a run at this thing. I, I think they're they have more depth and talent, more balanced team than they've had in a while. But uh, it's let's be honest, it's going to be a distraction. You know, everywhere that you know, it's going to be a fair world tour. You know, with him making the announcement as early as he did. There's going to be that, you know, everyone is going to pay their respects. And how much of a distraction will that be to him and his players? It's almost like Tom Brady of the other night. So much been made of that. You can't tell me he didn't have a lot of emotion doing that. So as the year bears on, that would be the only thing, you know, barring an injury that I, I think that slows that team down.
1: Yeah, that, that's interesting, Terrence. I'm curious your opinion on that. So um I understand kind of why he – he did it as early as he did. He wanted to make sure that the guys that he's recruiting uh, right. are going to understand that he's not going to be there. It's going to be coach Shire on the show. Um, are you okay with him kind of going out there and, and making this announcement earlier, as early as he did and kind of setting it up where it's going to be the coach Kelly farewell to where everywhere he goes on the road this season.
2: Well, I, the guy's been there for 40 years and won how many national championships? I think he deserves to do whatever the right. hell he wants to do. I mean, right. I think that's that's first and foremost. Uh, I'm actually okay with it. I think John was doing the bulk of the recruiting anyway. I mean, every summer, Coach K, during the spring recruiting period, uh, he would basically sit out that portion and just go out in July. So th- the, his staff was doing a lot of the stuff anyway, and that's fine. Right. Uh, John obviously is a proven recruiter he just continues to get guys his class coming in for 2021 or 2022 I can't the numbers who knows but they are obviously excellent and like uh, Sir Childress said like this team is going to be loaded there's going to be a lot of guys around I question more than anything. Uh, is there going to be enough shooting around Paulo Banquero? I think Trevor Keels is a freshman. He's going to have to adjust. He's an excellent shooter, but at the same time, he's six four, two hundred and twenty five 225 pounds. That's a lot to carry around if he's going to be a heavy minute guy. I'm, I'm interested to see that. And Joey Baker's going to have to have a better year than he's had since he's arrived on campus. So there's a lot of interesting dynamics. Uh, I think there's one big difference between this year and the past few years with Coach K, and that's the fact that since he decided he was going to step away, he actually got to stay with his team the entire summer and run all the practices. So he has a more hands-on approach than what he's had recently, uh, you know, especially in the COVID year when there was no summer. So I think there's the, the learning curve for a lot of these freshmen is going to be a lot different, and they're going to be a lot further along come November than they were this time last year.
1: Where do you stand on the, the shooting issue, Randolph? Because I do think that that's probably going to end up being the biggest thing, right? You have all these great big guys. You know, you didn't mention Mark Williams. You got Theo Johns transferring. And even a guy like A.J. Griffin and Wendell Moore are big for their positions that aren't necessarily the greatest shooters. So how do you, how do you kind of balance getting your five best players on the floor while also making sure that you have enough people out there that can create the space where those best players are going to be able to do what they do best?
3: I wonder how they're going to play. You know, we talk about that. Will Bechero play the four? Or will he play the five? Will they go small ball? Or are they going to play big and play him and Mark together? But shooting, I think, you know, a lot of pressure going to be on uh, Jeremy Roach. I mean, he's going to have to step up this year. He was up and down as a freshman. He's a good shooter. And I think Kiel is, a, you know, Trevor is a great shooter as well. Uh, he is a bigger bodyguard, but he's done that throughout his career. Their high school teammates, I think, again, you can't stress what you just said about uh, having a summer to work with those guys. I think it'll be fine. I, I think they have enough shooting to win. Will they have some all nights? They will, but they're going to be so strong inside. And so just they're just going to be better than 90% of the teams are more talented that they step up and they play against on a night in a night out basis. So to win a championship, they'll need Joey Baker to play better. AJ Griffin's is going to need to knock down some shots, but they, they, that's to win a national championship to compete in the ACC. I just think they're too talented not to be one of the top, two teams
2: in a league. I think a big difference this year is Jeremy Roach is going to have the ball in his hands. Whenever he was in high school, he was this pick and roll guy who facilitated offense and he felt like he was really a part last year. They kind of had a hodgepodge of guys that would bring the ball up. Wendell Moore would take some time to bring the ball up. Goldwire kind of cluttered that stuff. Now Goldwire was a great player for what they did, but I think, you know, I was a rhythm guy. You know, I wasn't a guy like, uh, Randolph Childress who could just all of a sudden just turn it on whenever he would. I had to be part of the game. Like I had to catch it a couple of times, move the ball kind of cut hard to kind of understand the flow of the game in order for me to be successful. And I think Roach kind of fell victim to that last year because he Mm -hmm. kind of played more off the ball than what I think he preferred. Not that what he prefers matters to coach K, Mm -hmm. but I think you're going to get a better product from him. And I think Wendell Moore after those first 11 games, I thought he was really good. And, you know, the problem was he came in as a five-star kid and everybody thought, well, he's going to average 15 to 17 points a game. And that's not really his game. He, for him to have a really good year, he needs to hit shots at about a 35% clip, be their best defender, and kind of be a ball movement guy. Uh, I'd like to compare him to a college version of Andre Iguodala because if he can be that for Duke, along with Paolo Bancaro, if Jeremy Roach shoots it better, if Trevor Keels comes in and makes shots, like – it's going to be a formidable team. Like, A.J. Griff. if those guys hit shots, I think that's what it comes down to more than anything. I think Roach is going to. I think Keels is going to. It's just a matter. I think Baker needs to take that next step.
3: Yeah, I, think-, I think to counter your point, though, I think that's why they're going to put the ball in Wendell Moore's hand. They're going to need more perimeter
2: shooting. And I
3: think, fair or not, I think they're going to move Roach off the ball some, just like they did last year. He'll just be more equipped to handle it because he played a lot last year. But I think they like the option because if not, Wendell, unless he improves his jump shot drastically, you're just going to back off and clog the paint up a little bit on him, allow him to do that. Now, if he has the ball at the top, you know, you're not going to lead you know, Roach or you're not going to lead a uh, kill on the wing to shoot. You're going to guard those guys. So I still think you'll see some of that. But I think you'll start out the games with the
1: ball in Roach's hand. One thing that I think will be interesting, and, and T.O., you made this point on our show um, a couple of weeks ago, is that I think we're going to see a little bit of a throwback defensive kind of a team, right? When when Duke was at their best in the 2000s and maybe even the early 2010s, you got those teams where you had – Bigger, more physical athletes on the floor and they get out and they pressure you and they overplay passing lanes and they would just basically dare you to try to beat them one on one. And they said our defenders are going to be better than your guys with the ball in their hands. You're never going to beat us one on one. And that's how they ended up winning games defensively. I think with some of the guys they have on this roster, we're going to see a little bit more of that this season and we really haven't gotten that as much uh, in the last couple of years. Um, from Coach K. So that's the one thing that I'm really intrigued to see this team. And also, you know, we haven't, we kind of glossed over it a little bit. Paolo is special, man. Like that dude is really, really good. Randolph, you you recruited this, uh, uh, didn't recruit him, but you were you were on the recruiting trail when he was out there. What are you expecting out of him this season? And and just how good is this kid?
3: I think he's special. I mean, there's no doubt about it. He stays healthy. He's done. I I think he's one and done. I I think the most dangerous lineup they're going to have is like I alluded to before. What are you going to do when they put him at the five? (laughs)
1: <laughs> good luck.
3: Like, 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 that's the matchup. I think they'll play They'll play Mark Williams kind of like they played Vernon Carey a little bit. You know, he played. When they played him, they featured him a lot, and then he took him out. He didn't play, you know, as good as Vernon was, he didn't play 25, 30 minutes. He was like a 15- to 17-minute guy in conference play. You know, they just kind of fed him when he was there, made made him a vocal point, then they took him out. But when they put him at the five, I, I don't know how you're going to guard him at that point. I just think he's a special talent, and, and he's, he's – He's, I'm not gonna, you know, say he's the Zion. You know, you know, he's not that effect yet. But he's 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 a talented kid, and I think he's definitely Freshman of the Year potential player of the year in the conference.
2: Some of the the film that's coming out of Duke's camp, where he's coming off four or five pick and rolls, uh, oh. Randolph, like, and then he's seeing the second line of defense and oh. making a skip pass across his body, oh. like Zion wasn't doing that. No, like I would no. make an argument that Paolo's a better player. He's not going to be as dominant. Does that make it like he's probably more skilled? He's not going to be as dominant.
3: I'll say this. I thought that was an underrated skill set of Zion. I thought he was a great passer. Like people didn't give him credit for it because they were so in so in with his his dunks and what, you know, he's anticipating the moves around the rim and the physical presence that he brought about it. He is more skilled. And I, I think, like you said, the four and five pick and roll, they ran some of that with Zion and those guys. But again, when they go small ball and put him at the five, I, you know, and you're going to try to go small ball with him. Good luck with that. He's going to be a matchup nightmare. I, I don't know how many teams are just going to have an answer for him. He's a special talent. Is it even small ball? He's 6'10", six ten two six. He doesn't say for him, but think about it. He, he, he's been up to play before. Like that's the thing about their team. When I say before, he's going to play. You know, they're going to be able to put a six ten guy in a athletic seven seven footer there as well. So they're going to be able to ma- play play. You know, matchup. I don't know how many teams are going to be able to match up with him. I think UNC could. With Armando, But there's not many teams that could, he's going to be a problem where you're going to go really big. He's going to punish you inside, put you in foul trouble. And then if, you know, pick on your five men. And then when he goes, like I said, it's hard to call a kid. It's 240, 245 small ball. But when he plays the five and you match up a traditional center on him, you, you got no chance.
2: All right, so you mentioned. I want to revert start. back a little bit. I want to revert back a little bit to what you said, Rob, about them being defensively dominant, like they were in the early 2000s. Yeah. I think that's going to be a big thing because Coach K yes. had them all summer. I think you, th- there's not going to be any more. I'm going to smack the floor and play two three. Like I think, <laughs> like, yeah, this this Duke team has the length and ability with Wendell Moore on the perimeter. He's got a yes. seven foot something wingspan when with. Uh, Palo, who's 6'10", 260, he's going to be – he's so physically gifted, he's going to be able to get out there and deny some passes. And then you have a really good rim protector in Mark Williams. uh, Physically gifted is this Duke team. And it almost goes back – I think Florida State could match up. Florida State North Carolina from a size perspective could match up. But the talent level in Durham is different this year. It's it's different. It's definitely different. And that's why
3: Roach didn't play early in the year. He didn't defend – Goldwire mm-hmm. competed defensively and he sat and he came on strong as the year went on because he started competing on the defensive end, being a good on ball defender. But when you add, you know, more and then you put AJ Griffin's athleticism out there, they're going to be back to getting in the passing lanes, guarding the ball and speeding you up and turning you over. And, and good luck with that.
1: Before we move on, let me tell you guys a little bit about our partners over at Bet River Sportsbook. If you haven't signed up for Bet Rivers yet, now. Is the time because they are offering a $250 match bonus for your first deposit. But what sets them apart is that they require just one playthrough to turn your bonus into cash money. With their rush pay and approval, withdrawing your winnings is safer, it's more secure, and it's more reliable. Now that basketball season is tipping off, get in on the action at BetRivers.com today or by downloading the BetRivers iOS app. You must be 21 years or older. If you have a gambling problem, call 1-800-GAMBLER. And while I got you here, let's talk about the Field of 68 Media Network, where college basketball matters most all year round. This is a digital media and podcast network that we've been building over the course of the last year. We have shows hosted by some of your favorite players covering the program that they love the most. A.J. Guyton hosts the House of Hoosier. Eric Devendorf covers Syracuse on the scorer's table. Dan Dickow hosts the Gonzaga Bulldog broadcast. We have Florida's Patrick Young and Duke's Andre Dawkins and North Carolina's Shimon Williams and Michigan's Sue Douglas and Illinois' Deion Thomas. The list goes on and on and on. We have more than 30 shows right now. So hit the links below and check them all out. And while you're at it, make sure that you go check out the Field of 12 Media Network, your home for college football. So you guys mentioned North Carolina a little bit. This is obviously uh, another team and another program that's uh, undergoing a change in leadership. Hubert Davis is his first season at North Carolina T.O. What are you expecting to see out of this North Carolina team this year? Are they going to be running the same stuff that they ran under Roy? Are we going to be
2: seeing the same kind of secondary break? Uh, what, What are you expecting out of this group? Well, here's my thing with this. Hubert's never coached under anybody else or played for any other system than the one that Dean Smith ran and the one that Roy Williams ran. So here's my thing. I think it's going to be a lot of the same, but I think because you add Brady manic, because you add Dawson Garcia, you're just going to be able to extend that second post out further. The only thing that worries me, and it doesn't worry me a ton because they still have a lot of size. You are taking away a strength. One of the things that has helped North Carolina be great for so long is the fact that they attack the offensive glass. When you pull that four man a little bit further out, you're almost taking away a strength to cover up for a weakness and floor spacing has been an issue. I think this year because Caleb love was relentless in attacking the paint. I mean, he shot 90 more shots than anybody else on his team. I give the guy credit. I love that kind of guy. That's my kind of guy. But other than that, like, I think you're going to see dramatic improvement because they both had a summer. And Caleb Love is going to be able to operate at a much higher level. And there's going to be some wide open spaces because uh, Kerwin Walton shot it great. I think RJ Davis is going to shoot it better. Brady Manick is a com- career 35 to 37 and a half guy from beyond the arc. And Dawson Garcia can flat out play. And then you have that post presence with Armando Baycott. I think they're going to do a lot of the same stuff. I think defensively, they're going to get up in the passing lanes and just continue to make things difficult because they have guys behind. Uh, that should be able to protect the paint in Armando Baycott.
3: To add to that, I think you got to add a a question mark would be, I wonder how Anthony Harris is is, is, is with the full season under his belt. You're talking about a kid that led the EYBL was actually a teammate of Jeremy Roach and Kiel in high school. I mean, they had an unbelievable team and you're talking about a young man that can flat out just, you know, he could just shoot the basketball. He was a high percentage, over 40% of EYBL, great on-ball defender. So, you know another year removed from from that ACL injury I I think he can be a big a big piece of that and don't forget the freshman DeMarco Dunn I think that kid coming in he's got he has great size can really have shot making so they're going to be able to space the floor and have so much versatility on that lineup with that group that again they can Leaky Black is there and going to be able to tap the glass from that wing spot you know he can play the one through four for them so They're going to have as much versatility as, like we said, Florida State and Duke will have too. So this is the team, I think, again, they'll be right there to win it.
1: Yeah, I do think the ability to get those floor spacers is going to be the key for this North Carolina team. Um, Because if you look at the best North Carolina teams over the years, they've been the teams that have had these, these great kind of shoot first dynamic playmakers at the point. Right. Whether it's Raymond Felton or Ty Lawson or Marcus Page, or Joel Berry, or Colby Wright, whoever it ends up being. like Those are the guys that work the best in that kind of secondary break Roy Williams system. And I think that Caleb Love could end up being that guy this year. You've got a full off season, right? You've been able to work out with your team. You don't have to deal with all of the, the stuff that you dealt with last season um, with COVID in terms of not being able to work out with each other, not being in the gym with each other. Um, I think that if you look at the way he ended the season, he made 13 of his last 34 threes. That's not great. It's not Randolph Childress-esque, but it's getting better, and it's getting better, and I think we're going to see improvement this year. And I do think he gets better. If there's more space to be able to get in the lane, I, th- I mean, that's going to be what he does best. So, um, I do think the floor spacing is going to be the key for this team. But Tio, we were talking about this a little bit earlier. I'm a little bit concerned about whether or not the best lineup for North Carolina will be the best five fl- players on the floor at the same time for North Carolina, if that makes sense.
2: No, you're probably right. I mean, I, I would call I would put Brady Manic in that situation too, just because he's so been so solid for so long. But you know, they have pieces. That That's the yeah. big thing. I'm a big puzzle piece guy. If the yeah. pieces fit, usually the teams do a lot better. And, you know, I, I think Kerwin Walton, even though he's probably not the most skilled guy, shot mid-40s from three. Like, he was yeah. unbelievable. And he's going to be able to open the floor. I think the pieces fit much better. There was right. just a hodgepodge of guys last year, you know you know, uh, Garrison Brooks probably got an unfair preseason player of the year because he thrives whenever he's not the focal point. He thrives whenever Cole Anthony was firing it up 30 times a game and he was able to go and get it. Uh, So I, I feel like the pieces of this team fit. And even if your best players aren't all on the floor at the same time, man, you want to talk about being able to just come in waves off the bench. It almost reminds me of when I was playing Carolina and then off the bench comes Danny Green and off the bench comes Tyler Zeller. Like, they have talent again to where they're going to be able to just come at you and they're going to be able to maintain pressure because they have enough guys.
3: I think they were a lot easier to guard last year than they will be this year. Again, having Walton and having love. Those guys were improved. We talked about Anthony Harris, DeMarco Dunn. You know Puff Johnson is another guy that can space the floor and make shots. Last year, as good as they were with Kessler and with, with, with uh, you know Sharp and those guys, I mean, they, they were just so big. We just decided, hey, you know what? Just sit in the paint. Don't leave the paint on those guys. They were no threat to score outside the paint. I don't know if you can play them that way this year. I think teams started scouting that, saying, hey, we're going to sit there and we're going to leave the bigs, leave the paint, you stay in the paint. So now they put more pressure on the guards. I think now they're going to be able to, you know, the ability for Magic to make shots from the perimeter. Now you got to guard them. It's going to make Armando that much better and just space the floor. We know they're going to run. We know they're going to crash the glass. But I think they have options now. So when there's an off night, they have four or five guys now that they're going rely on that's going to make perimeter shots that they just didn't have in the years past. They've had dynamic guard play, but even Cole was more of a scorer than he was someone you fear yeah. from the outside. When Cole made threes, you just hung your hat and said, all right, he's going for 30 tonight. And so this team, I think, has more balance, uh, you know, more perimeter shooting, just more options. Like you said, more pieces to the puzzle. So this night, this doesn't work. This guy comes in, and that's why I think they're they're a
2: team that's going to be special in this league as well. I think the fact that that Cole Anthony, and I, we're going back two years here, but the fact that he wouldn't make that pitch ahead pass right, stole right. The Carolina yes. break to an right. unbelievable extent. And right. now that Caleb Love and R.J. Day, if they're able to make that pitch ahead pass and then run a lot of second-side offense, I think they're going to be so much better and more efficient, especially now that they have shooters. They're going to be able to attack off the catch more as well. Yeah, it, And just
1: it, to
3: make sure it was about Jeff Lebo, I thought Jeff coming in, and him adding Jeff was a surprise to his staff Let you know they're not changing much. I mean, I think Jeff, they could. I wonder, that's the only thing that made me think about your first question when you said, Are they going to run the Carolina break? He went and got Jeff Lebo, who has gone and coached on his own program and has run some different things. So I'm wondering that that that. would be interesting to see. I want to, I would love to get up to a practice soon and watch those guys and see. I think they'll run some similarities, but between Coach Smith and Coach Williams, that's a lot of national championships to be changing your, uh, you know, the. The, the offense and the way things goes. But as long as Armando and that front line is there, I don't think they'll change too much. It still starts inside and works its way out at Carolina. I don't think that'll change. Yeah. And you don't have
2: to change it. You don't have to change it. Right. Like, right. all you have to do is extend it. But it yeah. Because it's already right. ready-made for what you yeah. try to do anyway. You're still going to be able to make that high-low pass. You're still going to be able to get the back screen on the opposite side. Like, you don't have to change it. All you're doing is adding shooters and different personnel. Right. My question to you, I mean, you obviously coached against them a long time, like mm-hmm. – how do you think their offensive rebounding is going to be impacted by trying to push those guys further out? Do you think that's going to be an issue going into the season? No,
3: because Leaky Black and those guys from the perimeter, he's averaging almost three offensive rebounds a game. So he's six, eight running from the you know, the one, two, or the three for them, and sometimes the floor. So when he's playing on them, you know, on the wing, he's crashing. So the guards are not accustomed to that's a strength. He understands, hey, perimeter shooting is not my strength. He'll take open shots but he puts so much pressure on the glass that that's what they do. I mean, for, for so many years, they would lead the country in offensive rebounding for missed shots. So they would offensive rebound almost half their misses. Those things I don't think would change. So they'll have better shooting this year to help them. But again, they I don't think they need it as much. They're just so big, so athletic, you know, for most teams. They're just going to pound the glass on you. But that's that's one of the most underrated things that they do is the spacing is great. They're going to need it. It'll open up the floor for Armando and those guys to play inside, but it also opens up lanes to crash the you know, glass and rebound, which they're as good as any team in the country at doing that.
1: Yeah, I, I think the most important point that you guys made was uh, the predictability factor for North Carolina. Right. Last year, you basically knew it was either going to be Caleb going to the basket or you're going to try to throw the ball inside to, to Walker, one of the big fellas, and yep. uh, there's going to be more options for them. Um, offensively speaking of predictability the most predictable thing in college basketball right now is that louisville is going to have some kind of off-season uh off-season controversy it's it's there's never you like that segue to you was pretty good right <laughs> uh there's never a dull moment in the off-season in louisville um you know it's gotten to the point i kind of feel bad for chris matt because I mean, it's just it piles up and it piles up and they just cannot Seem to get out from underneath the cloud of everything. And this all dates all the way back to 2015 with the Katina Powell stuff. So um, let me ask you this, uh, Randolph, we can start with you here. How difficult is it as a coach when you have kind of something over your program like that? That's got to be a distraction. How hard is it to, to run your team when you got that going on? And also, how hard is it to, to recruit when you don't necessarily know if these players are going to be able to play in the tournament? Because, I mean, we've been hearing that for like three years now. They might end up getting a postseason ban, but we're still dealing with those question marks.
3: I think the biggest thing that's hurting them is what you just said, it's recruiting, right? And, and the longer this lingers, the longer it hurts them in recruiting, and it brings them back to the pack. I think we go back two years, we thought this program was taking off and about to remain amongst the elite programs. Recruiting was going great. They were getting a, they were top three recruiting class in the country. They had it going. And then as these sanctions, they need to, I mean, not sanctions, but these allegations and everything that's coming in, this dark cloud's coming in and it's hurt them in, it's hurt them in 22 recruiting. So now you're going to prolong another uh, sanction whether it's a postseason ban or whatever it is, even though you know again the same old adage comes in. Everyone says the same thing: Hey, you know, this this certain staff members and players didn't do anything to deserve this, but it's coming, you know. And I, but it, recruiting is, is is the biggest issue with these guys. I mean, you, in this league, they need recruits, and they're, they're struggling with that right now.
1: Yeah, I, I do think that um, it's hard to really judge the Chris Mack tenure at this point, right? Because we never really right. seen it kind of uh you know when he's been able to get his legs under and run with this right. thing, and run with this program because it, it always feels like they're getting shots to the knees i do think however that this team is probably a little bit better than maybe some of the offseason buzz they're getting credit for we don't right. necessarily know who's going to be the star in the backcourt right. but i think they have three or four really good options uh jared west noah Locke, l ellis um you know, I, I think that Samuel Williamson is a guy that can take a step forward. And, and, you know, I talked with Chris last week for a Louisville preview, and he was talking very highly about Jalen Weather. So, uh, Tio, how do you feel about this group and this team moving forward this season?
2: Well, I think because of the lack of the ability to recruit, because of the uncertainty that you guys alluded to, they go to the transfer portal. And what they do, they bring in four guys that shoot over 40% from three. Like Matt Cross was a very good player before he left Miami. He just wasn't happy, I guess. I don't know what that was all about. Just wasn't happy. Leaves, goes to Louisville. He can shoot the ball. He's going to space the floor. Uh, the, the Jared West from Marshall, he's going to remind some people of Jose Alvarado, light. I'm not going to say he's that kind of dominant person, but his statistics <laughs> say that he would be. Uh, And then they add a late piece in Mason Faulkner, who's a playmaking guard who was supposed to go to Colorado, which would have been a perfect fit for him, wanted to stay closer to home. They've got pieces this year to compete at the top. My question is, are they going to be able to compete and is he going to be able to regain his footing after those first six games? Because if he is, this team could be good because let's be honest, Chris Mack can coach. Like That guy can coach. He's going to draw it up. They're going to scheme really well. And now he's got shooters around the perimeter that's going to space the floor. My only thing is, I wish all these shooters were here last year whenever Carly Jones was trying to do whatever he wanted, because it would have made his job so much easier. Uh, I think Mark Williams is a big piece. If he's able to stay healthy, uh, Louisville was towards the bottom of the conference in rim protection and blocks last year. I think they need Uh, him to remain healthy for them to compete at the top and, you know, make it maybe a second weekend run in the tournament. I think that's entirely possible. I just feel like if they can get through those first six games and shrug off the nonsense, I like some of the pieces that Chris Mack made this summer.
1: Yeah. A lot of that stuff will quiet down too once the season gets going. We have, we have no basketball to talk about. So what do we have to talk about? We get to make jokes about Louisville, right? Right. That's kind of what the off season is we talk about Duke. We talk about Kentucky. We talk about North Carolina. We talk about all the recruits and we make jokes about all the stuff that's going wrong at Louisville. It, it'll quiet down a little bit. Once you kind of get into the season and get into the flow, right? They'll don't rally. Each other,
3: I think, right. They'll rally around that. I think the guys in the locker room and the staff will rally around it. I think they'll be fine with it. Uh Most of the time in your first six games, you're not playing. I don't think anyone is going to scare them on their schedule in the first six games or so. You know, it depends on, you know, maybe a matchup in NMTE or so. But I think they'll be fine. I think they'll get through that stretch and, and, and they'll rally around each other. They'll, they'll have to get ready for that early conference ACC play in December, you know, with the 20 games now. But I, I think they'll be fine. They will be underrated team that I think could be can, can beat anybody in that league.
4: All
1: right. So let's uh, let's move on to the team that I think I'm the most excited to see this season. And that's my guy. T.O., T.O., give it to me. Give me a new bloods.
0: New blood.
2: What's up, see why. get him right. see why he's been yelling new bloods for the past 10 years. Are you kidding me? Why's <laughs> ready. He's let everybody know. New bloods, baby. New I, bloods. What I, I feel like
1: we, I feel like we've gotten to the point with this Florida State team where it doesn't actually matter who the guys are on the roster. You don't even need to look at the names. You no. know you're gonna have a roster full of guys that are somewhere between six, five and seven foot two that can all guard any position. That all will switch everything. That can all make threes. That can all run the point. You don't even need to know the names. You just know exactly what you're going to get out of this group. Uh, Randolph, talked to me about them. How tough are they to prepare for? How tough is that defense to go up against? And how frustrating is it to just see all of that arms and all of those wingspans?
3: They're the most difficult team in the league to play because you're not going to run your stuff. They're not going to let you run it. They're literally going to. They're going to switch everything. They're going to put, like you said, they're going to put five guys out there from. From 6'5 to 7'3, to you don't know what they're going to put out there. You just know it's going to be some length, and you know it's going to be athletes on the floor. They are the most difficult team to play against because they're going to spread you out. They're just going to switch everything. They're just going to point, switch, just guard the ball, force you into a shot, have a block party at the rim, and then get out and run the break. I think the one thing that they have this year that they haven't had or they've had some different guys, I think Caleb Mills is a straight mm-hmm. bucket. And I think they, I think he's a scorer, at, at something that they haven't had in a long time. He's a three-level guy. He, he's he's shorter than what they're accustomed to having. He's not as big, but he can flat out fill the he can fill fill, the, fill up the basket. So I think he is. He's a guy that's dependent depending on where they finish in the league. I think he'll be their leading scorer and a potential player of the year candidate because I just think he scores it naturally. He's a natural scorer that, and I don't know if they have many guys that have been like him.
2: We call him Smalley, six four. Like that—that's what we're doing. <laughs> that's, that's the thing. Is
3: Florida State though? He gets small. You know, I mean, he's
2: small for Florida State he, guard. He's the so.
1: shortest guy on our roster. How about that? The shortest him guy on our roster 6'4".
2: It's unbelievable. They're, they're yeah, him and Raquan Evans are the two smallest guys. Like it's an incredible lineup. Whenever I was working uh, for Coach Brownell, who loves to draw things up, it makes it almost impossible because they get out there, and what it comes down to is. Do you have the individuals yeah. mm-hmm. that can make a play on their own to beat yes. Florida state? Because even when you break down their defense, they don't overhelp because those yeah. athletes, when they're trailing behind, they can come and block shots that way. I mean, it's endless length, not to mention they have three guys over seven foot one that are down there waiting for you. If you do get too far, I do <laughs> wonder, you know, Balsa Copravica was relied on a lot. Uh, is Tanoringa going to be able to be that guy. I, That's not really what he does. I mean, he was when he was in Canada, but he was in Canada. I don't know what the Canadian basketball conference is like. But he, uh, you know, he showed some things. He's got soft hands, a good-looking shot, because he shot 80-something percent from the free throw line. Can he be that guy? Uh, It's going to be interesting. But I aim to keep an eye out, and you know this name, Coach. John Butler, Jr., 7'1", 180 pounds, skinny as a rail. Yeah. Going to be playing at two what wait and watch it happen because he's not a post player. They're going to no, say he's, he's going to give good enough length on the perimeter and he's going to be able to guard and he can really play. Matthew Cleveland's gotten a lot of pub for being kind of that fringe McDonald's guy for them. And he is a beast. Don't get me wrong. Listen,
3: I watched him play once and I didn't even need to go back and watch him play again. I watched him play in a tournament twice. And I was like, he's the best player here. I don't even need to go see him again. I think he's amazing. I think he's going to be a big time player for them as well. He's he's a talented player there. They're going to do Florida State things. I mean, they're going to be right there when it, when it, you know, at the end of the season. They're going to be right there competing for the – like we said, I think it's those three teams I think are the three teams to beat that we've talked about today. I think it's UNC, is Duke, and it's Florida State.
2: Yeah, I'm, are you referring to Cleveland or Butler?
3: I think Cleveland is the guy. I watched him play. Butler is unique. I, I still – because the physical strength of him concerns me. You know, he's so tall, but he's he's 180 pounds. Guys like that, when they're playing on the perimeter at the the pace that they're going to play, sometimes struggle because he's so thin. Like, he's a thin kid. You know, he's a thin young man. And so as he gets stronger, as the season wears on with him, I expect big things out of him. And and then they got to find more of a natural position for him. Is he got to be guard maybe the stretch fours on the other teams? Like, how are they going to put him, match him up defensively? Where I think Cleveland just slides right in. Matthew slides into just a natural guard spot and just fits in and goes along like that, like system. But with Butler, I think it depends on the matchups and I think the physical strength of him is something that I'm concerned about seven feet, 180, you know, that, you know, he's, he's a thin kid. He he needs to add some weight and some strength on him. But when he does look out, cause he's really
1: skilled. I, I do think you hit the nail on the head with Caleb Mills. So I think that that is kind of where, uh, the difference lies with this team. We, we know they're yeah, going to yeah. be defensively, right? right? Like last year was probably their worst defensive team in a long time. We're still talking about a, a group that had Scotty Barnes, um, that had Raekwon Gray, and that was one of the probably 35 or 40 best defensive teams in college basketball. Um, so we know where they're going to be on that end. But what happens, like who do you give the ball to, right? That That's something that they've kind of missed in recent yes. years. Like it, you're at the end of a shot clock, right? And you're at the end of a game and you need a bucket. Who are you giving the ball to? Well, like, Scotty Barnes, like, that was kind of the knock on him, right? Like, he he wasn't right. a great scorer. He was great at everything else, but he wasn't a great scorer necessarily. They tried with MJ Walker.
2: They tried yeah. with MJ Walker. Yeah. And he just it, From an efficiency standpoint, he just wasn't where they needed him to be to really, you know, make that final weekend. You you just backed up on those guys and, and, and waited for him at the paint.
3: And, you know, it's kind of like their best offense at times last year was just throw it up on the glass and go get it. You know they were going to out 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 out, out athlete you uh, to the rim, but Caleb is a three level scorer, and like I said, I, I'm a huge fan of his, and I've seen him for a long time. I uh, I think he's the difference maker for that group on the other end. Like you said, late clock, just just a guy a bucket getter. It. It's just he may be the most natural scorer in the league this year. I think other teams have different players. You may say this guy's a better shooter. This guy may finish better at the rim, but a three level scorer just wake up out of the bed and makes it look easy. I think he's the best in
1: the league. Yeah, I, I would agree with that, and, and we'll—I I have him ranked pretty high when we get to our uh, our all-conference teams um, later on in the <laughs> show. The, the <laughs> last storyline that I want to touch on here, uh, Tio, I know you love Virginia Tech. I know you got them second in the league, so I'm gonna I'm gonna let you uh, I'm gonna let you tout it right now. Why, why are they going to be uh, the best program in Virginia in the 2021-22 college basketball season?
2: Kiwi Aluma should have been a player of the year candidate last year and they end up not getting to play pretty much the month of February. He's so versatile and I think Mike Young's just able to get it done and get the absolute most out of his players. Hunter Couture was supposed to go to Wofford. He takes him to Virginia Tech. Wabisa Bedi, who was a good player, wasn't a very good shooter. Now you take him out and you put Storm Murphy in and Storm's a dude like yeah. 17 points or five yeah. assists. I don't know the exact assist numbers, but I know yeah. over 17 points at high percentages. And if you go back and look at his film, a lot of it's in transition, pulling up threes, step backs, he's attacking, he's making plays for his teammates and he kind of gives an extra dynamic to a team full of guys that are really skilled and can all shoot the ball. And I feel like I say it every time old wins Virginia tech's old. And their old guys are really, really good. And I think it's going to be a special season in Blacksburg. Not to mention, not to mention one of the best home courted environments in the entire conference. And I don't think there's going to be any letdown because, you know, Young puts those guys in the right spot consistently, get your popcorn ready.
1: Yeah, he does. I, I love watching the stuff that he runs. He, he knows how to get his shooters in a spot where uh, you can take advantage of it. And it feels like the kind of guy that uh, T.O., you would have you really liked playing uh, in that offense. Could you imagine him? Who was the kid they had at Wofford the, the last year when they made the tournament? Fletcher. The, the shoot, uh, yeah, Fletcher McGee. Like, it feels like that would, uh, T.O., you would have liked playing that role uh, quite a bit. What do you think of Virginia Tech, Randolph, and, and uh, where do you have them um, as opposed to Virginia this season?
3: I think they're right there. I mean, they're returning everyone. I, I've, I've been around the league long enough to know I'm never going to count Virginia out. I, I, I just can't <laughs> do it. Every year i have come in and I'm like, I don't see it. They don't have enough. They don't have enough. And then they're right there. I mean, they've been the best program in this league the last five years. And, and I don't see, you know, I, I think they've lost some shooting. And we'll get to them in a second. But Virginia Tech, I, I agree everything Teal just said. I, I, I don't. The only thing that concerns me is with Storm is just defending. You know, I think teams are going to be able to put him, attack him, and put him in ball screens. I think what he adds to them uh, offensively is it's going to be great. Uh, losing Rafford is big, though. He was a, he was an efficient bucket as well. So mm-hmm. losing him is, is you know really tough for those guys. But I, they're loaded. They're bringing everyone back. Uh, I think they're going to be a tough out. They'll be right there. They'll they'll be you know
1: amongst the top three or four teams in this league. So my biggest question with Virginia. This season, and part of the reason why I agree with you guys, um, that, that I think Virginia Tech will finish above Virginia this season is that it, it always it feels like it always takes a little while for people to adjust to what Tony Bennett expects out of that defensive system. And and look, I thought Armand Franklin was underrated at Indiana last year. Um and I do think that the kid that they got coming in from East Carolina is a good player. Um but yeah, yeah it, it's yeah. Just a little it's a little bit of a weird fit, and then it just I mean, that pack line, man, you, you have to be so well-drilled to, to really kind of thrive in that as a player. Like, the the whole reason it succeeds is because everybody is always in the right spot at the right time. It's not because they have these great defensive players. Like, they were the best defensive team in the country, and they had Kyle Guy and Ty Jerome <laughs> playing in their backcourt. Like, those guys aren't going to be great one-on-one players, but they were always, always, always in the right spot. And when you have everybody doing that, it makes sense. Now you have all of these new faces, a lot of these new pieces, a lot of guys that we haven't necessarily heard of. I mean, it's going to be a little bit of a change there, Tio, what do you think?
2: I think the weird thing is Jaden Gardner doesn't really fit what they typically do. He's a 6 foot 7 back to the basket guy who thrives on the interior. He's going to provide no floor spacing and if I'm If I'm an opposing coach, I'm just going to curl protect everything and not worry about him sealing so much. I mean, you don't have to worry. You can just chase over the top of everything and not necessarily have to worry about him as an offensive threat out on the perimeter. Now, when he gets the ball on the block, then I'd be a little worried. But it's just kind of a weird fit. The way he scores and the way Tony Bennett's system is, it's, it's not typical to what he's had in the past. So I'm not saying it can't work because Bennett will find a way for it to work. But I think there's going to be a little bit of an adjustment period. I'm in agreement with you as far as Armand Franklin. I don't think there's a player that's better suited to play Virginia style than him, 6'4", 6'5", shot it above 40% from three. I think it was right at 42, if my memory serves me correctly. And he moves the ball and he can handle it at the point guard during times, like at spots. He's not going to do that all the time, but he can do that for you when you need to. I think the interesting piece offensively for this team is when are you going to let Reese Beekman go? I think like Kihei Clark is amazingly efficient. I think he's done a fantastic job. He's been there since I was in high school, it seems like. But Reese Beekman provides a little bit of explosiveness, especially with his quickness getting to the basket. I wonder if he's going to have a bigger uh, role this year, especially on the offensive end. But another thing they don't really have, who's going to be a rim protector? And you say they're always in the right spot at the right time. But if you look back five, six years, Amadi Diakite, Jack Salt, uh, Jay Huff, who was there last year, they've always had that guy. Is Francisco Cafaro finally going to have a breakthrough year and be that guy? He hasn't so far. And he hasn't earned their trust to where he can play significant minutes. Who's going to be that guy that can protect the rim on the defensive end?
3: I don't think they have a rim protector. I think Caden Cedric will be the big inside. I think he'll give them that floor balance. I think he's Mm -hmm. skilled enough. He can face up. I think they need him to take a step. I mean, I don't think they can replace Jay, but they've lost so much offensively. I think they're gonna they're gonna struggle to score from the perimeter. I think Jayden Gardner is a he's a he's not a great shooter, but he takes the right shots at times. I think his ability to put the ball on the floor is going to be something that's difficult if you try to back off of him to make them guard you. They're gonna put so much pressure. I mean, believe it or not, they posted K.E. Clark last year, and he was a bucket on the block. <laughs> like we were sitting there, we would laugh at guys. I'm sitting there, like, if this guy posted, you got to come out of the game. And then he would, they would run a play and he'd get the ball in the post. I can't tell you guys in watching the film how amazing it is that this, how, how tall is he? Is he five? What? I mean, he's, they, I'm they, telling they
1: you, if him at five nine, there's no chance that that dude it, is. Generous.
3: Exactly. He's not even close to that. And they, he, and I'm talking, you can put your six four guard on him and they will put him in the post. And, and and he's, he's incredibly effective doing it and draws so many fouls. So I think that's going to be the issue with Beekman uh, 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 taking the ball out of his hand, but he's, he has an extra gear. Reese is so fast with the ball in his hands. Uh, you know, he's hit a couple of game winning shots for him last year. I mean, if he can take a step, they're going to need him to take a step and give him a little rope. But we, we know, I mean, the playing Virginia, it's, I used to joke and say, Hey, the first team to score 60 is going to win the game. And that, that, that's, that's what they're going to do. They're going to defend. They're going to control the pace. They're not going to turn the ball over, and they're not—they're just not going to beat themselves. And so, if they can find enough scoring, a perimeter scoring, that'll—you know—that'll—that'll that'll be there, keeping them in the top half of the league. Not—they'll take a step back. But I just can't bet against those guys. No matter who you say you plug in that lineup, they're going to defend. They're going to control the pace. It's just a matter to see which guys going to step up. Yeah, and, have- and Shedrick can play. Like he,
2: yes. he he was a good player. Yes. Like he had to adjust yes. like that. Yes. That kid is skilled. He's long. He's yes. pretty athletic. He runs really well. Holly Springs, right? Holly Springs yes. stand up. Yes. Is that what we're yeah. at right now? Yeah. yeah. I mean, yeah. like yeah. <laughs> he's a good player. He is.
3: He, he's going to be a guy that we can look up in a second, you know, in the middle of the year and be like, man, I just see this coming. He has that type of skill set. And with the year and that like you said having a full off season, he's, he's the mm-hmm. type of guy that sophomores are going to benefit now because this is their real first off season. And there's a lot, you know, with Tony. You don't defend, you don't play, mm. and so for a lot of those guys, I think they've getting a the full offseason and you know, in the full fall, you know, hands on with all their coaches. I, I, I just hard to count those guys out because of the style of play.
1: All right, so let's get into uh, our, our power rankings here, um, and we can kind of dive into some of the teams uh, near the bottom half of the league in, in this part of the conversation. But I'm just kind of curious, like, so the way that I have it in, in, in my mind is that I think Duke is the, is the favorite. Right, I think Duke is the best team in the conference. I think with Paolo there, he's the best player in the league, uh, and you combine all of that with what they can do defensively and, and the talent on that roster. In my mind, Duke is the favorite. And then you have kind of that that hodgepodge, right? You got North Carolina in the mix there. You got Florida State in the mix there. You got Virginia Tech in the mix there. You got Louisville in the mix there. You got Virginia in the mix there. Where, where do you guys stand on kind of um, your your I guess the top six maybe? And, and do you think it is a top six in this conference? Tio, why don't you start?
2: Well, I got Duke winning their first regular season since 2009. I think there's too much there, and they yeah. finally got some older guys. There's pieces. They're going to overwhelm you defensively. I like them at one. Virginia Tech, we just talked about them. So much shooting, so much skill on the perimeter. Keeve Aluma's a dude. And I got North Carolina third. I think there's going to be some adjustment times for Hubert. I mean, there's a lot – there's a big difference between being in that assistant seat and being the guy. And he's going to have some adjustment, especially towards the beginning of the ACC season. I think that's going to be interesting. I got Florida State fourth. Florida State's Florida State. We've already knocked that out. They are what they are. Uh, five, Virginia. Uh, I can't count out Tony Bennett, and I felt guilty for putting them fifth because they won the regular season last uh, last year and probably didn't have top five talent on that roster. But Tony right. Bennett still figured out a way probably, for it to go. Probably, probably didn't. Well, you know, I'm being, an, I'm a nice guy, Dowster. Like I, like, I try to be the nice guy of all of our group here. Like, you know what I'm saying? I try to be the nice guy. Six, I have Louisville. I think they're going to shake it off and they're going to have a good season. Uh, I think there's too much shooting on that roster as it is presently. Who knows what will happen by December with the roster. But I think there's a too much talent on Louisville to really uh, struggle. And then we're going to get into this. But I think Notre Dame, they have so much offensive ability Yes. Uh, they are that guy. I have them seventh, but they they can score from every perimeter, uh, from every perimeter spot. Nate Lejewski, I thought he was going to have a breakout year last season. He was excellent, shot great percentages, and they probably have one of the better point guards in the country at Prentice Hub. But those dudes don't guard anybody. I'm talking nobody. Anytime you. you watch a kid's stats, he's just lighting Notre Dame yeah. up. And yeah. Mike Bray, I, like you got to get your guys to guard. Like they're going to have Paul Atkinson, who's a bucket on the interior. We talk about buckets. That dude's a bucket. Didn't get to play last year. He's exceptional. He was the uh, Ivy League Player of the Year. He gives them an inside scoring present that they haven't had since Mooney. Uh, they do lose their best defender in Juwan Durham on a team that couldn't defend. They, they finished world? outside
1: the top 200 on Ken Palm
2: in uh, defensive yep. efficiency. They, didn't
1: they hire who, who's who's the assistant they brought in from uh, from Dayton? Um, blanking on the name, but they, they uh, Anthony Solomon, right? So I so they I brought them. They brought him back. They brought him back. You know he was yeah. there, and they brought him back. Yeah. So the 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 I've seen people make that connection. Like the best years that Mike Bray had at Notre Dame was with. Anthony Solomon on the staff, and now they got him back, and maybe that's going to be the fix defensively. We'll see. I think to a certain point, if you don't have good defenders on your team, you don't have good defenders on your basketball team. Um, T.O. was not out there. T.O. wasn't out there to guard anybody, right? So Hey, I would have fit that
2: system perfect. I wasn't guarding you wanna, anybody. Yeah, you I wouldn't guard anybody. You had to convince me. O.P. was just like, you know what, he hits enough shots, we got to leave him in there but because I have no choice. But I wasn't <laughs> guarding anybody. But us up, like, here's, here's the thing, too. Going back to Notre Dame's defense, like Prentice Hub led the league in minutes. It was like 36 or 37 minutes a game. It is so hard to maintain a defensive intensity for that long when you're relied on so much on the other end. And when you're the head of the snake on offense, you're also guarding the guy initiating offense on the other end. You're not making anything difficult. I think that's something to keep an eye on, but I'm not sure they really have a point guard behind him that can give them a ton of minutes. Right. But
3: they used Trey Wirtz last year as a backup guard. He kind of came with a secondary ball hat. I don't think that'll mm-hmm. change. I don't think there's anyone there that's going to that's gonna change that.
2: And Trey Wirtz is a good player, and he yeah. got eligible in the middle of the season, but yeah. he's not Prentice Hub. No, no. And so there's definitely a step off. And, and and look, Notre Dame's hard to guard because it's like they have Prentice Hub and a bunch of clones. It's all the same guy. They can all dribble, pass, and shoot, and they're all about six six. Every one of them, Trey Wertz included, like those guys, they're all skilled and multifaceted and they have a good size. They just don't guard anybody. So, Randolph, where where do you
1: stand on the top six right now?
3: I think we're all the same. I think Duke I have, you know, is number one. I think I think Carolina. I got Carolina and, and I'm kind of jostling back and forth between Carolina and Florida State. Um, I like Florida State with Caleb Mills. I just think he's going to be underrated, a, a major, major addition. I think he's the best scorer in the league. UNC, I don't worry about as much because that system hadn't changed in 50 years. Like, it's been the same <laughs> system. So the only difference is Huber's going to have to call a timeout a few more times when Roy just said "The hell <laughs> with it, y'all just play through it. Like, like that's the only adjustments need to be made there. I don't, I don't think it's going to be that big of an adjustment, and I do think he'll lean on Jeff. And, and it's the system, guys. They're going to run that. That hasn't changed much. Uh, I mean, seriousness, I think they, but I do think down the roster, they just have a little bit more flexibility than they had in the past. And they're going to have a lot of bodies, and it's not going to change. Uh, Florida State, we've talked about them. I think they're there. And then I have Virginia Tech. And this, and we're talking a game. You know, any last second shot changes. that. But those four, I think, will be right there with, you know, to finish in the end. Fifth, I have Virginia. I laughed at that. We talked about Virginia and Louisville. I think that those are the top six teams in the league, and and going past that, I think the next group that I would have would be, I think, Syracuse. Only because, again, we talked about the Syracuse. We just talked about Notre Dame. My concern is like yours. Notre Dame just can't guard, but no one puts five guys on the floor that can make a shot like Notre Dame, but they just can't guard. So if they're making shots, you're in trouble. If they're not, you know, know, you're going to have your way. Uh, But I think Syracuse has just that zone. That zone is just – you know, if you're not making shots that day, you're going to be in trouble. And Buddy, you know, it's got Buddy's a bucket. I mean, he can he can flat out shoot at a high clip. You know, getting uh Benny uh, Benny Williams coming in there is going to help them replace uh, losing Gary on the front line. He's bringing some limp, some athleticism. So uh, I think they're going to be poised because they're going to be able to score the zone. You know, everyone knows it. Everyone's copying it. No one's ever really able to emulate it as well as they do it. So. I think that you know they're going to keep you in a low, you know they're going to keep you in a low percentage from three and, and just continue to play that zone and do what it does. But they're going to be able to score on the other end more than they have in the past. So I have them being that last few teams from the SEC, from ACC that will kind of make the tournament. I think they'll be that seventh and eighteenth. They'll you know,
1: Syracuse and day. Yeah, I, I love I love Syracuse this year. I think if there's going to be anybody from that group of other teams that kind of sticks yes. into the top six, is going to be Syracuse. They're going to beat some people they're not supposed to beat this year because of the way right. that they shoot. On the nights those shots are going down, when Buddy's right. hitting the shots, when Joe Girard is making shots, when Jimmy Bahime is making shots, he averaged 17 a game last year at Cornell. You mentioned Benny Williams. Uh, they got Symeir Torrance coming in the transfer from Marquette, who I think is going to be good. And, and who? Wyatt is- yeah. The, the, the guys, I mean, the people at Syracuse think that Samir had a really good off season. Cole Swider, one of the best shooters in uh it, When I remember watching him in the EYB, I can't remember who he plays, yes. but he was one of the like best. The BABC. There. BABC. Yep. Yep.
3: Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah, six foot eight. So they, they have a lot of guys that can shoot a lot of guys that can score. Um, one thing I do want to note about, uh, about Joe Girard is um, he was a football player in high school too. Right. And uh, from what I was told, Um, he kind of like during COVID, he went back and he was hanging out with all his football buddies and doing like football workouts, which is part of the reason why he showed up back at campus a little bit too heavy last season. And I guess he was probably like 15 or 20 pounds overweight. And from the sound of it, he's lost some of that weight. We're going to see the Joe Girard that that broke all those Jimmer Fredette scoring records when he was in high school in New York. And when you put that kid out there with the two Bayhams, Benny Williams, Cole Spider, Simon Torrance, you're going to have a team that can score a lot of points. The last thing I'll note about them Uh, the best Syracuse teams are when you have that big seven-footer around the basket that can erase everything in the paint and make it so that you can make that zone stretch out on the perimeter and you just kind of dare teams either shoot a contested three over the top of us or go try to finish over a big fellow in the paint. I think Jesse Edwards, down the stretch of the season, last 10 games, was really, really good for them. Um, And I'm expecting him to kind of have a big year this year. I don't know if it's going to end up being The guy that plays like 35 minutes. You know how Jim Beheim doesn't want to play his bench at all. I don't know if he's going to be a a 35-minute-a-game guy or if he's going to play 20 minutes and they're going to play Baruma Sidibe for 20 minutes at a time. But I think there's more options at the five this year than he's had in the past, and I think that's going to really help them defensively.
2: Well, Sidibe – before going out, he only played two games last year. Before going out, I mean, he was one of the league leaders in shot blocks and he's got like a seven, six wingspan. The dude's huge, and he was, I think it was seven points, nine boards, something like that before last season. Uh he's definitely gonna add a different element, and they struggled with that last year because uh Merrick Dolajai, as good as he was offensively, it's almost like they Beheim was trying to get five guys who could really go offensively, and they had that. They had that, and they just uh it, it took a second. For them to kind of figure things out. When Buddy went nuts, Buddy went nuts. But I, an interesting stat over the last seven years, Syracuse has been within two games of 500, either at eight and 10 or 10 and eight. The last seven years. And I think a lot of that. And then they go on and have, everybody calls it a shocking run. You know how hard it is to prepare for that zone over the course of a day in the NCAA awesome. tournament? Forget about it. All that length. And then you're going, say, they play a 5 12 game and they're the 12 and they're playing somebody from another conference, they haven't seen that type of length. Syracuse has been the tallest team in the country for the past three years or something. Them and Florida State, it's, it's a, it's a toss-up. Like, I think that's a big portion. Uh, when teams have time to prepare for the zone, you can find some things. Tony Bennett found some things, get it to the high post and back dribble out because Sadibe would have to follow mm-hmm. him. He found some weaknesses in that zone. So when you have time to prepare, you can figure those things out. But one thing they have this year, and you alluded to it, Rob – four guys that could shoot 40% from three. Yep. And, and that, that's the biggest difference. Last, last year, uh, Gary was kind of a mid post isolation, isola, ISO guy, uh, Gerard, you know, had an iffy year at best. I thought he was better the year before, but buddy Bayheim uh, he was special in the tournament. Now, is he going to be able to maintain that? And he got so much better. From the time that he got to campus, he worker, like that that dude, they rave about how much time he spends in
1: the game. Like, he oh, Couldn't create space. Like now he he's out When you average eighteen a game in the ACC, like it doesn't matter. Your coach's son would have, like you're a play, eighteen game, eighteen points a game in the ACC. You are a
2: player. Yeah, he's a dude, and and he's got a high release point. He he's become so much better playing off the catch to attack. And basically, he catches the ball. He could be an isolation scorer if he catches it and doesn't have, hasn't used his dribble already. Like, he's kind of an old score, isolation scorer, and he's got such good length for college. Uh, he's going to have another fantastic year. But they have floor spacing this year. Uh, do they really have somebody that's going to attack the paint? Nope. I thought could, losing Kadari Richmond yeah. uh, to Seton Hall, I thought that was a bigger deal than I think Syracuse fans realized because he was kind of that super athlete that could get into the paint. All
1: right, so Samir is have-
2: going to
3: help them out a lot like that. And then we don't know what Benny's going to bring to him. But I think Samir can bring that guard athletically on a perimeter, getting in the passing lanes. I mean, for them to run a 2-3 zone, they, they get a lot of steals out of that. They do a lot of running. I mean, people turn the ball over at a high rate against that zone. But being able to rotate bodies at that 5, it doesn't mm-hmm. matter if it's Aguibe, if it's if it's John Bole, Jack. It, they're going to be at which they're going to rotate those three guys and say, look, we're going into the game. No layups. You got 15 fouls, and then they're just going to rotate. You know, the, the other four positions, other guys, and just play. They're going to have length. You put Benny there, Cole on one, wing, you know, wing. They're going to be six, eight, six, nine, offensively talented, and just can flat out shoot it. So the great thing about it is the way they get in the paint with those guys, they'll just curl Buddy in the paint right off a of curl because you have to lock and trail on him, and he just gets to his spots and elevate over you. But they're going to space you out so much that you don't need to be to be able to wiggle with the ball. You're just going to be able to straight go shot, fake, and drive it. You know, you're know, you not going to have to worry about creating so much with them uh, uh, off the dribble because they're going to have four guys. Like I said, having four guys on the floor that that easily going to be 40% shooters, it's going to be a tough task for anybody. And then scoring against that zone. I think they're going to make a judgments like that. Again, I've seen them, you know, if you start doing it, like you said, the key is getting it in a high post. But if you put a guy in there that he can't really shoot, They'll give that to you as well. They'll say, hey, if you want to go in there and shoot 15-foot jump shots all night, go ahead. You know, they're going to play the percentages against that and kind of cater towards your shooters, but you're going to get that one shot. I think they'll be a better rebounding team than they've been as well.
1: Yeah, you guys mentioned it. I think it's the offensively it's going to be – if they can create that first uh, closeout, if they can get by one guy, I mean, you're good. Right. You know, you have yeah, so, so much space. Like it, it, one person gets a paint touch and, and it's over. You're going to be able to yeah. – Bucket there. Um, one one talking point that someone asked us to discuss was whether or not uh, this would be Jim Boeheim's last season. No, uh, he's, he's going to coach for he's going to coach until he's one hundred and twenty. That dude is never going to leave the sideline. He loves it more than anything else. He doesn't have to do anything. He's a king in Syracuse. It just. Yeah. He's going to, he's there. He, he's going to be there beyond the grave. He's going to be there beyond the grave. Uh, he's never leaving that sideline. Um, all right. If so they,
3: If they didn't take away his wins, remember he lost a couple of wins. Yeah. I thought he was going to wait coach K out and then just eventually catch a pass coach K. I can see him doing that. Just, yes. You know, so that's, that's what I thought. Yeah. Just saying, Hey, he's retiring at what number. Yeah. I'm going to coach three more years and then I'm going
1: to break. All right. So uh, we've, Let's talk about some of these other teams that maybe have a chance to get into the tournament. I don't know. the. I know T.O. hates NC State. He despises them. He thinks that they're going to finish last in the ACC this season. That's not what I said. I think Miami actually is, has a chance to be pretty good. Um, is there anyone else, Georgia Tech, Clemson, anyone else in this conference that, that you think has a chance to put together a, a kind of a tournament caliber resume or team?
2: I got two. I think Georgia Tech could do it. They have only they only lost two players, but those two players were some of the best players in Georgia Tech history with Alvarado being ACC defensive player in the year and Moses Wright obviously being player of the year in the conference. Like They lost significant pieces. I love the addition of Davon Smith from Mississippi State coming back home to Atlanta. That's where he's from originally. He brings that quickness uh, to the backcourt, and he's really explosive. It's going to be hard. I, I think it might take him a second to learn – Passner's Princeton. I think like that might take a second for him to do, but uh, you know, Michael DeVoe is really, really good. I think he's a stud. I, I don't understand for the life of me. I can't understand why last year he wasn't like a late first, early second guy. He's got size. He shoots the ball at an incredible clip started off slow last year. I think that had a lot to do with Passner like waiting things out. Because he was like, Well, we're not gonna practice anybody because we have a bunch of guys returning. No, you need that kind of rhythm. And he he acknowledged that. So I'm not saying anything out of turn, but it's they've got pieces. I I think, you know, Rodney Howard, is he ready? I don't know. And they, they have a skilled seven footer in Saba Jijabaria. I don't know if that's right, but I've tried
3: <laughs> that's a heck but, of a try though. That's a heck of
2: a try. Yeah. I played in Georgia where he's from, it, it, you know, there's a lot of names over there. You know, there's a lot of names, but he's got some skill. He could kind of be that guy. Maybe. I mean, it's not easy. I'll tell you somebody who did explode onto the season, I thought had a really good season last year was Jordan Usher mm-hmm. uh, comes back to Georgia after playing at Southern Cal. And I thought, you know, it took him a second to kind of find where he was good. But when he played the four and was able to get a rebound and get out and push, that allowed DeVoe to get off the ball. That about allowed Alvarado to get off the ball and find spots on the court for open shots. I think they could. And then I think Miami, I I, I pick them every year and like this five, six, seven, and they can't stay healthy. Like over the past three years, they can't stay healthy. Chris Likes couldn't stay healthy. They lost Rod, Rodney Miller Jr., Rodney Miller Jr., they lost, mm-hmm. uh, Earl uh, Timberlake was
1: banged up like that. Yeah, everyone. yeah.
2: Yeah, I mean, the kids, they have, they they've got good skill and Isaiah Wong. Uh, you want to talk about a pure score. We talked about Caleb Mills, Isaiah Wong's in the same conversation. Mm-hmm. I mean, especially coming off ball screens, but he gets to his right hand, man, that guy can make some tough, tough shots. And, you know, they've relied on a lot of ISO scoring when they have uh gosh, what's the big kid's name there at the, the, the big white kid from uh, Australia. The shooter. So Why
1: didn't Wardenburg.
2: Wardenburg. When they have him back on the floor, I think that's going to space some things out more as well, and I think Wong's going to benefit from that. Uh, Wuga Poplar is a freshman that has started to get some serious reviews out of Miami. They say he's had an excellent preseason, so we'll see there. They've got talent. Miami's always had talent. Did you mention Are Jordan Miller? Jordan Miller, the kid from uh, George Mason, is really good. He is really good. He is really good. And, you know, he's, he's built kind of the same as Anthony Walker, who I think is an excellent talent as well. He just hasn't been able to kind of get over that hump and shoot the ball better. Uh, Miami has talent. Can they stay healthy? It's been an issue for three years now.
1: Yeah. I mean, they're going to have those lineups where I feel like Jim Laranega's best teams, you have a really, really good point guard. You have a really, really good five and you have like three guys that are kind of in that six, six kind of wing range. That's what they were when they had Shane Larkin and they won the league. So uh, I I can see a little bit of that this season, and yes, I do think that they're underrated. If they stay healthy, that is a team that should be able to uh, to get to the NCAA tournament. My biggest question: Do we think that Josh Pastner is going to wear the face mask all season again? We're going to do that.
2: I was calling the game whenever he broke that thing, and, got, and Teddy V gave him a tech. <laughs> like <laughs> I was calling that game on the radio at Clemson, where he slams his mask and got a tech for slamming his mask. Fired me up. I didn't know what to say on the radio. I was like, I was like <laughs> my man just got a tech for damaging some plastic. It was his own plastic. It was his own property. He looked fantastic. Hey,
3: don't forget Debo Coleman, too. Yep. I think oh, incoming yeah, freshman, a highly rated kid, and he's good. I think Debo Coleman is another player that you can add to Georgia Tech. Again, he does a heck of a job with those guys, too. I mean, I uh, think he he does a really good job. I think he's an underrated guy in that league as far as getting the best out of his talent. I mean, the leadership and toughness you lose with – Jose Alvarado and Moses Wright. I, I don't know how you. no one can replace those guys. And But again, like you said, Mike DeVoe, huge fan. I think he's should get more. I, I would expect him to take, make a leap. They win enough games to get first or second team in the league. We just don't know. I don't see them getting inside that top six, but their potential team to do it. But Debo Coleman is a kid I think that will play a lot as a freshman and, and versatile enough to be really effective and help space the floor with them. Uh, like you said Miami I like Miami as well I think the other gonna be a big guy Charlie Moore is a big name I think yes. someone has come in and play early with them and health they're always top loaded with talent and then, like you said the injuries have been an issue but they've always had you know a top top level talent that can go out and beat anybody at any given day I think Walker and Moore are going to be two guys that need to stay consistent with with uh, Wong I mean he can flat out do it and they just, you know, we just got to see what happened with those guys. They just had a ton of injuries, and it just seemed like it just wasn't going to work. And guys are coming back. They continue to get talent. Magusti's there still, and they're gonna they're gonna be tough. Their guard play is as good as any in the league.
1: Yeah, the the one team we haven't mentioned yet, um, NC State. Uh, I actually do kind of like them a little bit. I think that they have the kind of roster that Kevin Keats is going to need to be able to win. I don't know if that's actually going to. Uh, turn into results on the court because I felt like the last two years, they kind of had a similar roster, but I think Casey Morcell, you know, he was, he was really good coming out of high school. I remember really liking him and it just never, you know, not being able to shoot was just never the right fit at Virginia. And I think uh, having Manny Bates in and around the rim to kind of erase everything there, uh, you know, Thomas Allen's coming back. I think Jericho Helms is a guy that could end up being an all ACC player this year. Well, so I, I like it on paper. I need to see the results on the court before I can say that, yes, this is a tournament team. But, it, you know, if you look at that roster, it looks pretty good on paper.
2: I, like, I think I we mean, all say
1: talent. the same. Yeah, I think we all feel the, the same. same. Talent's,
3: been, talent's never been the issue, right? Mm-hmm. You know, I think talent's – we're all saying the same thing. I'm sorry. It's been the same. I mean, they're a talented team. They're going to need Cam Hayes to step up and be a little bit better than he was, more consistent as a freshman. I think that we all know the talent's there. He's a big guard, great size uh, really extra I mean he has an extra gear bottom that can get anywhere he wants to get on the floor as he becomes a better shooter Manny Bates though has to stay on the floor he has to rebound and be a consistent rim protector he stays in foul trouble so when he he going for every block he getting in foul trouble they need him to stay on the floor because if he's not there I don't think they have the rim protection and, and you know they're going to press but being able to press and force turnovers and have Manny on the back end at all costs, if he just walls up and plays, if he can get the 25 to 30 minutes a game, this team could be a team that we can say, all right, it looks like they're finally going to get it. But I think there's a lot of pressure down the road there. I mean, they're going to have to get it done with the success that we're saying we're anticipating Duke having and, and uh, Carolina having. They're going to need to make a push to get into the tournament now. I think we're all kind of saying the same thing. They're like that ninth, tenth team right now that we're thinking, hey, they, can, they got the talent to be – out to the bottom of the top six, but will they do it? I don't know. But I think Cam Hayes and definitely Manny Bates are the two guys that have to be more consistent if they're gonna if they're gonna accomplish
2: that. I think Casey Morcell's a stud too. I I think he's oh, yeah, a big okay. player. And and we we alluded to this when we were talking about Duke and Jeremy Roach, like when he's a bigger part and he's kind of in a flow and in a rhythm. Like maybe he could expand on his role. I I think, you know, maybe he struggled with the glacial pace that Virginia played and maybe this trying to play faster at NC state's going to loosen him up a little bit and he's going to be able to knock down some shots. He's got a good looking shot. It doesn't make sense that he's not making it. he made him in high school. That's Mm -hmm. kind of the, the question. Uh, Turquavian Smith is a winner. He's a freshman that they got out of Farmville Central. I think he weighs 140 pounds, but he's about 6'3", 6'4". He's super athletic, can shoot the ball. Uh, Cam Hayes needs a good year. I think Manny Bates, obviously, is a defensive player of the year. He's my preseason defensive player of the year because he just protects the ball at such an alarmingly high – or protects the rim, excuse me, at such an alarmingly high rate. Uh, this team's going to come down to Cam Hayes because – uh, NC state is so pick and roll oriented. Everything they do ends up in a ball screen. And most of the time it's cam Hayes now a year under his belt in the summer to kind of realize some of the reads uh, could help him, but it's been the same story for NC state for, I think Keats tenure. They've had a bunch of guys. They just haven't been able to put it together, but the, the, the talents there, a lot of it's going to come down to cam Hayes.
1: All right, so let's end it with this uh, before we get into our teams. We haven't mentioned Clemson. We haven't mentioned Wake Forest. We haven't mentioned Pitt. We haven't mentioned Boston College. Is there any reason – to be excited about this, the, these teams. And, and uh, remember, we have a Wake Forest alum on the show <laughs> and we have a Clemson alum on the show. So uh, what, what are you guys thinking about these teams? And, and can, is there anyone at the bottom of the league that you think can kind of sneak up And uh, I, I remember in uh, Josh Pastner's first year at Georgia tech, no one thought they were going to be any good. They ended up finishing 500 in the conference and uh, kind of being in the mix for a tournament berth. So uh, is there anyone that can make that kind of a run at the bottom of the league this season?
2: Go ahead, Randolph. The, si- the silence is definitely. <laughs> I was waiting on you to say the, the silence conference. is oh, definitely. My my <laughs> oh, I'll uh, say I'm not going to do that. No. Uh, well, here's here's <laughs> the thing, and, and I like I have complete faith that Brad Brownell is going to get the absolute most out of the guys he has. Problem Absolutely. is, is Hunter Tyson's good? Is he first or second best player on a tournament team? Good, right? Uh, right. And and I'm not knocking Hunter. I think Hunter's a good player. I think he's done a fantastic job for what he came in at and how much he's improved. And he's a great rebounder. He's turned into a 40% three-point shooter. They're just going to be so doggone small and they're going to need PJ Hall to be really, really good. And he didn't yes. get play a whole lot last year because Amir Sims was there and him and Amir right. Sims do a lot of the same things really well. Uh, so it was kind of a weird fit whenever they played together. It was difficult because Amir functioned better against opposing fives and PJ is a five. I mean, right. I think that's where it, what it comes down to. Uh, they're going to pressure the ball. They should play faster. I think Nick honor and Alamir Dawes struggle a little bit scoring in the half court. But as soon as that right. ball starts to move a little bit up and down the court, that's when Nick honor gets loose. And that's when uh, Alamir Dawes gets loose and Nasbo Hannon, uh, Youngstown state transfer is about six, five. He's a good player had his last game uh, in a Horizon League with a triple-double, but his best attribute is to get a rebound and take off with it and find pa- and find players on the break, kind of like Dante Grantham was a few years ago, yeah. whenever he could get a ball off the defensive glass and then take off and initiate the break himself. Uh, I think if there is a team that could get going, and I'm just going to fire up Randolph right here, I think Wake can. I-, I-, I think Jake LaRavia is a stud. I I. I, I- I think Davion Williamson was better than what I gave him credit for initially. I think Carter Witt is going to take a massive step because that poor kid went to went to finish his high school exams in December and then had to play Virginia next week. What are we doing? What are we doing to this young man? I think the summer is going to benefit him a lot. I think he's an excellent passer, one of the best in the conference. You guys brought in some uh, some guys that have scored at high levels at, at other places, uh, not to mention Dallas Wal- Walton just guys that are experienced and know how to play. Wake Forest is old. They'll be athletic. They'll be big. They'll be pretty good.
3: I agree. I think Wake is the team of the, of the bottom teams that we had mentioned. They're the team that could jump to the, the middle that middle group because of their size, their athleticism. Like you said, they're old. Hmm. Uh, I think they're going to have more interchangeable parts. You know, they may not have the, the t- overall talent, like we said, with Duke and the numbers that they have – but they're going to have so many bodies. They're going to be able to throw so many things at you and, and tell you about Carter. I, I, I felt so bad for that young man last year. <laughs> it's I mean, brutal. And, and, and the truth was he came in, it was the middle of COVID. I mean, we got shut down last year. I mean, from, from, we played two games in November. We didn't play a game in December. Mm-hmm. So he, he comes in early and graduates and it's like, Hey, learn these plays go down here with the walk-ons yeah, let's try to get you in shape. Oh, by the way, we're going to Virginia next week and you're the starting point guard. And like that was it was just how he was thrown into it was baptism by fire with him. I mean, he was and I so he, he needs to take care of the basketball and hopefully things slow down for him. But they're gonna have so many different moving parts and and Clemson is you know, Coach Brunel does a heck of a job with those guys. I mean, he he's as good a coach as it as there is in this league. I mean, he has done a heck of a job there in Clemson. I was glad to see. Yeah, he recently was w- rewarded with uh, with an extension, and so they're going to compete. They're going to play hard, but like you said, when the game slows down, they're going to have a tough time uh, uh, scoring in the half court, I believe. And and I think you know you know BC's you know Coach Earl's going to be his, his uh, first year. Earl Grant's first year there. Their recruiting's gotten off to a good start, and I don't know if any team has lost more than Pitt has lost uh, as an off season. I mean, I think they've been decimated with with. You know, early entries and transfers. And so uh, I, I think still they have a chance to turn things around. I mean, there's a belief in those guys. I know, you know, with, uh, you know, Judah mentioned uh, committing it in 22. So that that bodes well for them because it means that people on the outside recruiting-wise still believe in them. So I think there's a chance. You know if you play for pitch, you're going to have to play hard. You're going to have to compete. So if you do that, you got a chance. And there's enough with Horton and those guys there. They're going to compete and give themselves a chance. I just don't know if they got enough depth on that team to, to, to take that step into the middle of the pack. Yeah. They, Nike, you know, Nike, Saban,
2: Nike Sabande was really good whenever they let him right. open up and, and play, right. I, I think. And then Femi Otakali, Ode, Ode- Otacali, help me out, man. What are we doing? I, I, I got to yeah. get, I got to get the pronunciation guides.
3: I was, yeah, I was glad I got I to reward you for trying it.
2: I... <laughs> All right. So I'm just going to go with this. Uh, Femi Ode-Kale. I'll, I'll I'll do that and just sound it out. I, I think he, has some potential to be really good. They get John Hughley back. They're going to play hard. They're going to play borderline. They're going to do a lot of stuff with their elbows out. I'm not saying that they're necessarily dirty, but that is a tough bunch, and they're going to compete every night. They need to be able to keep their roster intact for the entire season. I think there was a lot to be said for COVID, and those guys kind of getting yanked around. Are you practicing? Are you not practicing? On top of that, they weren't really winning, so it was difficult. Uh, I think that's going to be interesting enough. Brevin Galloway at – boston college and i thought that was a nice addition he's going to be able to help the adjustment process for the players coming up from charleston to boston college with earl i think it's going to take him some time but i think earl can help them hit their ceiling i I really do now what do i think the investment in boston college is where it needs to be in order for them to be at the top of the conference no but they just agreed to a big practice facility so there's some movement there uh i think that's going to take a while but uh those bottom two, I think it's it, – you know, Judah Mintz is a stud. Whenever they get him, he's an absolute yeah. bucket. I loved right. him whenever we watched him at the EYBL uh, Peach Jam. Uh, you know, there's still some movement. There's still hope. I just feel like uh, just Xavier Johnson to Indiana, uh, dc Tony to Arkansas, uh, Champagne to the draft. Like, there was just too much loss last year for them to really be able to make it up at a high level. Yeah. And that I mean, was the
3: class that was supposed to – sustain them, right? Like, that Mm -hmm. was the class coming in. Xavier and that group, they were supposed to be the class to say, hey, you know, they got off to a good start, which has been an M.O. They've gotten off to good starts, and then they've kind of faltered as the season gone on. The more it's gone on, they've just kind of come back to the pack. Losing that class, though, that was kind of their first big recruiting class that was supposed to take them to the top of the league. And when you lose that, it makes it tough. So that was the good sign about Judah Mintz coming in because it shows that they're still some some uh, some buzz with Pitt and some belief in Pitt, so I think they'll be fine eventually.
2: But they're hitting the reset button essentially, in a sense, from from that standpoint. And it's unfortunate because he came whenever Stallings struggled. I'm going to put that as nicely as possible. Struggled <laughs> didn't win a didn't win a game in the ACC, and then he wins three games his first year, six games his second year. Had there not been all kinds of stoppages, he would have been in that eight nine cuss. Yeah, yes. And it stinks because like. They were close, and then they lost the guys that were about to get them there. Right. So it'll be interesting to see. I think you know Capel obviously he always has his guys playing really hard. I just think it's going to be difficult for them to take that next step with the current gr- group of guys they have.
1: Yeah, the, the one really- guy I do think is interesting on pit that I don't think has been mentioned yet is Jamarius Burton from uh, from Texas Tech. I remember when That's he that. left Wichita State, I thought that he was going to be really, really good. Uh, for the Red Raiders, and he just kind of got lost in the shuffle on a team that had a lot of bodies and a lot mm-hmm. of moving parts and a lot of players that were probably a little bit more talented than, than him um, at that same position. Uh, the one good thing you mentioned, um, Terrence, P.J. Hall is back and playing. I was a little worried that he wasn't going to survive that dunk from Jalen Johnson last year, so it's good to see that uh, he's still up and, live and moving on uh, You know, um, on two feet. All right, let's get into our uh, our, our
2: <laughs> player of the year. Um, and our <laughs> just awesome. let that go. We could have just let that go off into the wind. Do you remember who who uh, Randolph children crossed over and then told? Him oh my no Je- Jeff McGinnis.
1: I know exactly. Who oh, that was. How dare you? you I, up I watched. Good, yeah. Look, look. I'm a, I'm a big film guy. I watched that tape to get ready for this podcast, just so I had it fresh <laughs> in my mind. So yeah, that was great. I, I do have to get the story about this. Was this like a common thing for you? Whatever you mean? No, you,
3: you know what? We uh, they beat us early in the year. And as you know, if anyone knows Jeff, Jeff's a talker, right? He's going <laughs> to talk trash. And the difference is from now back then, we could talk trash to each other and there were no technicals, none of that. So they had beaten us early in the year at our place. And then they came back and Donald Williams hits a shot and they beat us. And the next day he makes a quote in the paper and he's like, we knew if we kept it close, they'd choke. And I was furious. I was like, all right, you know, what? we get them, wait till we play them again. And we didn't play them till our 2nd and last game of the year in Chapel Hill, and we beat them. And then, you know, the tournament was Friday, Saturday, Sunday, so it was less than a week later we had played them again. And that was just a tournament game, and and he just brought the best out of me, and I was like, I'm going to go at him. I didn't think anything about the shot. When I shot it, it was just about telling him, I'm going at you all night. So when he fell, I I, I didn't even remember doing that as much as I remember the late, great Dean Smith yelling in my ear, he can't do that that's (laughs) taunting i'm running down the court uh that that, that's my biggest memory of that moment
1: oh man that's great that's great all right let's get into our uh our our player of the year and our all conference teams i have paulo vancaro winning player of the year in the conference i think that he has a chance to win national player of the year this season I'm, i'm very high uh on that kid do you guys have anything else
2: No, I think that being compounded with Coach K's last season, every game is going to be – there's going to be such a spotlight. He's going to be the best player on the team that's getting on all of – that's getting all the attention, excuse me. Like, he's so good, 20 and 10, easy, and he's developed so much as a passer. I think, you know, he's just going to be the focal point on a really good team, and he's going to be the best – one of the best players in the country.
3: I I couldn't agree more with you. The only other person I may add, just because of depending on where they finish – I think Armando Baco can, can – can I think he can – he's going to be a double-double guy, right? And then the other other guy, I told you guys before, the other guys, Caleb Mills. If Florida State finishes in that top half of the league or the top two or three and the numbers that he can put up being a go-to guy, I, I think it's a three-man three race for player of the year. But if I had to guess, I think we're
2: all agreeing it's going to be the,
1: the dookie. The, the, are we
2: forgetting kive Ke- Aluma? Are we forget
1: we just have first team? I have Keeve first team. My first team <laughs> is uh, is Buddy Behine, Caleb Mills, keve Aluma, Paolo Bancaro, and I went with Caleb Love. I think Caleb Love is going to have that breakout year, and and I do think that when you are a point guard and putting up big numbers, you are going to get a lot more attention than a big guy putting up big numbers, especially uh, in, in a league where Paolo and Kevi Aluma I think are probably going to be the two best big guys. That's why I went with him over Armando for first team, but I have Armando on my second team, preseason All-ACC
2: team. Uh, my first team, besides uh, Bancaro, uh, I got a Lumo second. Uh, Buddy Boeheim, obvious. I think that's an obvious choice after the postseason he had. Armando Baycott, as much as it pains me to put a North Carolina guy on the first team, I did it. And then uh, not Caleb Mills, but I went Isaiah Wong. I think he's going to be relied on so heavily. His numbers are just going to be astronomical, so I think he's going to be really good. Uh yeah, I'll let I'll let you go before I get to my second team, uh, coach.
3: I got yeah, I got buddy, buddy beham Amando, Caleb Mills, Alive. I, I think Amando over Love because Carolina's system is just inside out. He's just going to get more touches. He's going he's gonna go to glass. I think Love is going to have a great year. I just think the ball will touch uh, Armando's hands so many more times. I mean, that's just the way they play. They're gonna play inside out. As much success as their guards have had over the years, it's just gonna touch the big guys' hands way too many times. So his numbers will be great. And we talked about Paulo. I think I mean I, mean, I think those guys. So we got the same group. I think Caleb is one, and but of the Carolina guys, I think Armando will be the guy. Second team, uh, I got Prentice
2: Hub. Uh, it's my first guy on the second team. Caleb Mills is there as well. I think Manny Bates, his defensive presence is going to be hard to ignore. So I got him there as well. Uh, Jalen Weathers and, uh, Michael DeVoe from Georgia tech. I think all five of those guys will have excellent years. I think Jalen Weathers is going to be able to operate a lot more with so much shooting on the floor at Louisville. I think he's going to have a really good year after being an all freshman, uh, last season. So I, I like weather's game a little undersized at the five, but at the same time, uh, he was able to knock down some jump shots as well. I, I think he's a really talented young man. Yep, I, I had to say,
3: Prentice. I had Wong instead of Prentice Hub. I, I struggled with that because I'm a huge Prentice Hub fan. But I think, like you said, Wong's going to have a great year. I didn't put him on first team because I just think they're not going to win enough games. But I had him on second team.
1: Yeah, I, I had Prentice Hub on the second team as well. I had Kihei Clark there. I just feel like uh, Virginia's going to be really good. He's probably going to be there Um their most noteworthy player. And it's just, I mean, it's one of those things you're a senior you've done as much as he's done during his career. It's going to be kind of a, a career achievement award and then Wong and DeVoe and, and Baycott round out my, uh, my second team. One guy I do think will be interesting to see is Samuel Williamson at Louisville. There's been a lot of talk coming out of Louisville about him changing the shot and uh, being more of a set shooter on three pointers. And I think if he can kind of add that to his, like he's a really good mid range shooter. We can kind of add that the, the the stretched out to the three point line with the way he can defend and especially the way that he can rebound. I think he's a guy that we could end up seeing average thirteen and eight on a tournament team, a top twenty five team for Louisville. And if that happens, that should probably get you in the mix for second team, third team, all conference, whatever it ends up being. But listen, gentlemen, we've been here for way too long. Uh, yeah, we went so long. Yeah, we 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 went long. We went long. So for Terrence Oglesby. And for Randolph Childress, my name is Rob Doster. Thanks for watching the ACC Preview on the Field of 68.
4: Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in.